where we're discussing the 50th anniversary of the launch of Apollo 11. Several days later, Neil Armstrong, the first man on the moon. It has been 50 years since that mission, 47 years since we last went there, uh, which, of course, is still more recent than the uh, Leafs' last cup win. But having said that, according to NASA, men and women will return by 2024 to the moon, although some are skeptical of this fast-approaching date. One person who is not that skeptical of the possibility is Paul Delaney. He's Global News Radio's expert when it comes to space, and he joins us now here on Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Uh, Paul, just how significant is today, just first off, 50 years ago, Apollo 11 took off? Well, I remember it like yesterday. It was a monumental achievement there in the late 1960s. And, of course, it was a pinnacle of human achievement, science, engineering, technology. The world stopped, literally, as Apollo 11 launched 50 years ago today, as you said. And then four days later, with Armstrong clambering down the lunar module Eagle onto the Sea of Tranquility. It, it was a very magical moment, very inspirational. Uh, you know, we're, we're a species of explorers, and that at that moment in time, was the greatest exploration that we've ever mounted. Hopefully in the not-so-distant future, we'll do it all again and maybe do it on the surface of Mars. Well, you say a magical moment. It was the day the world stood still. So why has it been uh, 47 years since we were uh, last there? What's up with that? Well, the short answer is, in my opinion, a lack of political will, a lack of political uh, foresight, insight. Uh, a lot of people thought that getting to the moon was the end of the journey rather than the beginning. You know, fulfilling Kennedy's prophecy, was that all that was, is that all that it should have been? And the answer, of course, is no, it shouldn't have been. That was the, we did the heavy lifting of getting to the moon, staying there with a settlement and, you know, branching out from there to the solar system would have been relatively easy. But instead, we packed up shops, came home, and we haven't been back for 47 years. Uh, for a long time, for most of that period of time, there's been little direction being given to human spaceflight. There's been some terrific robotic exploration of the solar system, but human spaceflight has really taken a huge backseat. The International Space Station has proven that we can survive in space and we can build in space and so on. What we now need is a clear directive to where to next. And we may have that at this moment in time, going back to the moon and from there on to Mars. All right. How frustrating is it as an, as an observer, as somebody who follows this stuff, who is an expert in space exploration, when you think that we have not been back to the moon in 47 years, what has that cost been? Where, we, where would we might be? Where might we be had we just kept going with this? Well, it is very frustrating. As I said, we did the hard stuff. We developed the rocketry that would get us to the moon. And then we lost it. The Saturn V could take people to and fro the moon relatively easy and, you know, in the grand scheme of things, relatively safely. Then we lost the plans and we burnt them or whatever. We, you know, we've not had a vehicle as powerful as the Saturn V since. The Falcon Heavy now from SpaceX, private corporation, is rivaling it. And the space launch system that NASA is developing, it will rival it. But literally, we, we gave away the technology. If we had kept it, if we had continued the settlement on the moon, our understanding of lunar history, the probability that there would have been industrialization on the moon, you and I could have gone up there for the weekend holiday. Well, maybe it's expensive, but you know, the idea of space tourism, all those things flow as you prove that you can go from A to B, relatively easily, relatively successfully. So the moon would have been, you know, in our rear view mirror, so to speak, and we probably would have been on Mars by now. 
But as I said, that all stopped after Apollo 17 in 1972. You know, that was my next question. There's no doubt in your mind, had we kept going, we probably, instead of just fantasizing about Mars or getting a a rover there, that uh, that would be more of, if not a reality, that we'd be looking at Mars or maybe uh, other planets exploring them by this point? In in my opinion, yes. Uh, As I said, the heavy work, the hard work was done in getting Armstrong and his colleagues to the moon. You just keep on doing that, so as to speak. You know, the, the plans, the, the, the ability to build more Saturn V, the, the industry was right there, and we packed it all up. Uh, so, yeah, you, you lost an opportunity, and we've now got to rekindle it, and everybody is realizing, gee, it's really hard starting all over again yeah. and rebuilding the things that you know we knew how to do 50 years ago. We've got to learn it all over again. But as I say, we are at least focusing now on the idea of putting a lunar gateway in place, being able to easily access the the, uh, lunar surface. And perhaps the one thing that we have learned that we didn't in the 60s is how to internationally cooperate. The ISS, the International Space Station, is 16 countries that have pulled their resources and have made a very successful laboratory in space. NASA is trying to emulate that blueprint in going to the Lunar Gateway. Uh, And while we hear it's NASA going down to the surface and it's an American who will be on the surface and so on, going to the moon will be a much more cooperative and international collaborative affair than it was back 50 years ago. Perhaps that's the one good thing I can say about waiting so long. We've We've now figured out how better to do it. Do you think that's going to get us back to the moon and beyond? Because, of course, uh, part of uh, you know the great lore of the 60s was the space race and uh, who was going to get there first, America or, or Russia? And I guess it's all, almost down to old-fashioned capitalism that competition maybe uh, spurred each of these uh, countries on. But uh, we're beyond that, you think, and for the better? Uh, we're not entirely beyond it. A lot of the, uh, the deadlines that uh, the uh, current uh, U.S. administration has given are based upon the fact that, gosh, the Chinese might get there first. Uh, so there is a little bit of uh, that, that old-fashioned rivalry that still exists. There's no question. Uh, NASA, U.S., does not want to see China on the moon by themselves. Uh, and so that's what has spurred the, the timeline. But that said, to put the Lunar Gateway together, NASA does not have the budget. I mean, you know, NASA had a blank check in the 1960s to get to the moon. The current administration is, not, is, is giving extra funding, but it's hardly a blank check. And it's expensive to go into space and do it safely. The ISS, as I said, has shown that if you pool your resources, you pool your talent, you can spread the, the pain, if you will, but you're also spreading the wealth. And so I think at least NASA and the, uh, the international community will go back to the moon in this cooperative venture. But don't lose sight of the fact that it's also to beat China. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I want to read you a quote that I read this morning from uh, Barbara Humpton, who is the head of Siemens uh, in the U.S. Uh, She says, on the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 crew blasting off on their mission to the moon, we should embrace that similar energy and belief towards our future. And I'm just wondering whether or not our leaders, our politicians, uh, Paul, uh, do they have that similar energy and belief uh, for the future that uh, we saw in the 60s that got Apollo 11 uh, to the moon 50 years ago? Because, you know, a lot of the talk of these days seems to be about uh, budgets and, uh, you know, pressure on taxpayers and maybe uh, lightening uh, their their burden. And you were just talking about just how costly space exploration uh, obviously uh, is. Do you think that there is a real appetite to get this done? 
there is an appetite. It's, it's not as large as I would like it to be. And I certainly do think that there is more uh, reticence from our politicians today than there was, for example, say, from Lyndon Johnson. You know, Kennedy and Johnson were the two key presidents who led NASA you know, down that pathway and said, go get it done, guys. Um, we don't have that level of... Um, yeah. Oh, gee, gosh. <laughs> that tenacity, uh, but, I guess, maybe, the yeah, leadership. Think, yeah, exactly. Leadership. I'm trying to find the right positive word there, <laughs> struggle. Uh, we, we don't have that from the political core. But I think that there is more and more appetite and energy now from, shall I say, the rank and file, the community. You only have to look at uh, SpaceX, e- Elon Musk and Blue Origin, uh, those organizations are just gripping with energy. If you watch a SpaceX launch, you know, a telecast, you know, you've got young engineers who are leading that broadcast. You hear the engineers cheering in the background as every single moment of the Falcon's flight takes, takes place. You know, there is a lot of energy that can be delivered. And NASA is beginning to emulate some of what they are now seeing from groups like SpaceX. So I think the, the younger crowd, if you will, the 30s, the 20s and 30-year-olds are going, maybe this is our time, that we've got an opportunity here. We've got a few people who want to back us financially. Let's take the high road here. Let's develop these heavy launch vehicles. Let's not only you know, deliver satellites into orbit, let's take people into orbit. And then you've got Sir Richard Branson who wants to do the space tourism bit very, very badly. So, you know, there are people out there now who can complement the efforts of NASA, and I'm, I'm not, not deriding NASA in any way, shape, or form here. They've done great with the budget they've had, but you need more financing if you want to take these higher goals uh, into account. Yeah, so Paul, do you think that our governments uh, in general, they just have to do, I guess, a better sales job? Because, you know, when we talk about the expense, it's exorbitant. Uh, I mean, it's a big uh, price tag, and that's not a sexy story to tell. But when we start talking about space tourism, about getting back to the moon, possibly uh, then to Mars and uh, beyond, I mean, that, that gets me excited. I think it gets other people excited. So is that what they really need to focus on and sell people on? I think that is true. I think that's what they have to do. They've got to sell us on it. But remember as well that a lot of that funding that we talk about, you know, that heavy price tag, builds the infrastructure of a society that you and I live in. We are the most technologically advanced society ever. To be able to keep that technology rolling, you need to have a technologically savvy workforce. Well, most of the space funding that uh, you know, gets uh, earmarked goes into jobs that keeps those people close to home so that they can actually build the infrastructure in your own country. France, China, India, all of these folks are building infrastructure associated with the space industry. And it's not just because they want a piece of the space pie, which is quite lucrative, but they want to have a technologically savvy workforce close to home that allows your cell phones and your computers and all of the technology that you don't want to do without. You want that close at hand uh, and to be you know, monitored and managed by people who are you know, your own citizens. Sure, so, yeah. You know, it, it, it's money in your local economy <laughs> that we're spending when we're talking about doing spaceflight. Well, there's amazing, amazing spinoff effects that uh, come from it, for sure. Uh, just finally, uh, we'll get you out on this question. Uh, 2024, how likely is it that we get back uh, to the moon? Uh, 80% chance, 90% chance, less than that? I, I think it's probably uh, closer to 50-50. It really depends whether or not the countries want to put their money where their mouths are. Now, if NASA's budget is kept at its current level, 
it is not going to happen. You're going to have to increase it by several billion each of the years between now and then. And a lot of that money will end up going out into the private arena as they enter SpaceX and Blue Origin and so on. But that's the way you can get to 2024 with boots on the moon if you're prepared to spend a few billion dollars more than the NASA budget has at this moment in time. So given what I'm seeing financially, I'd say we've got a 50-50 chance. Well, the- It'll only be a couple of years after that if they miss the date. All right, the clock is ticking, no doubt. Uh, Paul Delaney uh, joining us here on the 50th anniversary of the uh, launch of Apollo 11. Paul, really appreciate the time with us. You're welcome, Jeff. Take care.